Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful conversations. We're going to talk about life and love and basically everything in between. This is a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where you can really just come as you are. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it, y'all? Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have fun too. Scout's honor. I promise you this. I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, you are so welcome. And before we get started, pause and make sure you're subscribed to the Refine Collective podcast on iTunes so that each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And if you're an old friend, um, welcome back. Hi there. I already know you're all subscribed and good to go. But would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be incredibly grateful for that. Now, I used to feel like all weird and awkward about asking you to do this, but then I listened to Oprah's podcast and even she asks her listeners to do it. In the podcast world, those subscribes and ratings and reviews really, really help us. So thank you in advance. You are the best. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, find me on Instagram at The Refined Woman or my podcast specific account at The Refined Collective and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Let me list for you some of the many ways in which you might be afraid to live a more creative life. You're afraid you have no talent. You're afraid you'll be rejected or criticized or ridiculed or misunderstood or worst of all, ignored. You're afraid there's no market for your creativity and therefore no point in pursuing it. You're afraid somebody else already did it better. You're afraid everybody else already did it better. You're afraid somebody will steal your ideas so it's safer to keep them hidden forever in the dark. You're afraid you won't be taken seriously. You're afraid your work isn't politically, emotionally, or artistically important enough to change anyone's life. You're afraid your dreams are embarrassing. You're afraid that someday you'll look back on your creative endeavors as having been a giant waste of time, effort, and money. You're afraid you don't have the right kind of discipline. You're afraid you don't have the right kind of workspace or financial freedom or empty hours in which to focus on invention or exploration. You're afraid you don't have the right kind of training or degree. You're afraid you're too fat. I don't know what this has to do with creativity exactly, but experience has taught me that most of us are afraid we're too fat. So let's just put that on the anxiety list for good measure. You're afraid of being exposed as a hack or a fool or a delante or a narcissist. You're afraid of upsetting your family with what you may reveal. You're afraid of what your peers and coworkers will say if you express your personal truth aloud. You're afraid of unleashing your innermost demons and you really don't want to encounter your innermost demons. You're afraid your best work is behind you. You're afraid you never had any best work to begin with. You're afraid you neglected your creativity for so long that now you can never get it back. 
You're afraid you're too old to start. You're afraid you're too young to start. You're afraid because something went well in your life once. So obviously nothing can ever go well again. You're afraid because nothing has ever gone well in your life. So why bother trying? You're afraid of being a one hit wonder. You're afraid of being a no hit wonder. That's Elizabeth Gilbert from the book, Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear. And I know that was a really long quote. So thank you for staying with me and listening to it. But it just felt and feels so pertinent to the conversation I just recorded with Jamie Ivy today. We talked so much about calling and what keeps us from our calling as humans, as women. And I think underneath so much of not pursuing our giftings or callings or dreams, underneath why we don't do that is fear, fear in every shade, form, and fashion. And what I love about Jamie is her heart to not only speak truth and be so real, but her humility and what she shares it. Because we talked about some hard stuff today. I talked to her about, as a single woman, how many of us feel called to marriage. And when we're not married, sometimes we feel like we can't live out our calling. So what do we do with that? And how do you know if you're called to singleness and how, how then do you date with honor and can men and women truly be friends and how do we discern our calling and start walking it out and how do we leave those fears behind? There really isn't a stone we didn't unturn in this conversation. So I can't wait for you to hear it and listen to it and re-listen to it and Before we get started, let me just tell you who this incredible Jamie Ivy woman is because y'all, I was like sweaty nervous talking to her because I just look up to her so, so much. Jamie Ivy is a creator and host of a super popular podcast, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy. I was actually on it a few years ago and we'll link that in the, in the show notes, but this podcast is a central gathering place really for talking about life and Jesus. And Jamie really tells the raw redemptive story that brought her to this place and her debut book, If You Only Knew. And now she is coming out with her new book, her second book, UBU, where she's really telling the story that keeps her going and frames her God-empowering mission to women today. So Jamie and her husband, Aaron, make their home for six, holy cow, in Austin, Texas, go Texas, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And really what I want you to know about Jamie is she's the real deal. She is who she is in real person, who she is online and who she is in her podcast. I've gotten to see her in all those different avenues and venues. And so I trust her. I trust her heart. I trust her wisdom. And if anything you take away from the podcast, it's this, you, whoever you are, have a story to tell and a calling on your life. And you have the permission to be that, chase that, go after it with all that you are, because that calling on your life is unique and God has put it in you. So let's run after it. Let's say bye fear. Um, okay. Let's get into the conversation with Jamie Ivy. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I am giddy today because the woman I am just about to chat with is like, I was, I think the very first podcast I was ever on was hers. And 
I just feel like I'm talking to Oprah right now. (laughs) That (laughs) is so so kind. The Oprah of podcasting. That is so kind. That is so kind. And I can't believe I was your first podcast. And now you have your own podcast. That is just amazing. And I love it. So thanks for having me on your show. girl. And I don't know if you know this, but a crazy thing happened after I was on your podcast. I I really before your podcast, I didn't really talk about my singleness and my faith. And you asked me about what is it like being a single person in New York City, saving yourself until marriage in your 30s. And I, you know, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is my experience. Well, a week after your podcast came out, I had 3,000 emails from women all over the world. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And book publishers knocking down my door. And I was like, what the heck is happening? <laughs> like, I do brand strategy and social media. Like, what I'm not doing here. <laughs> what just happened? And fast forward, you had me speak at your conference, mm-hmm. Happy Hour Live. Yeah. It, which is where I met my literary agent. And uh, I was convinced. I did not know that. Yes. Jana Burson. Yes, I like right Jana. Yeah. Uh huh. And I told her, I do not want to write a book. I am not your girl. I'm not going to be the token single Christian uh-huh, woman. Right. And then six months later, God put it on my heart and I signed with her. And I just turned in my manuscript for my book called Sexless in the City. And I feel like so much of that is due to our conversation. Mm. Well, first of all, congrats on turning into manuscript. That is no freaking joke right there. Um, (laughs) And I, I mean, honestly, here's the deal. I am. I just almost started crying just now because (laughs) when I started my podcast uh, six and a half years ago, it was really just this outlet for me. I, I love having conversations with women. I love elevating women's voices. And so for me, it's always been, hey, listeners of the Jamie Ivey show, let me introduce you to this woman and let me show you how awesome she is. And so when I hear you say that story, it makes me think, this is what I love doing. This is like what I I love so much is to say, hey, here's a new person that is worth following. And you know what? Over the years, there's this is maybe a soapbox I'm on lately. So forgive yes, me if it feels it. like I'm on a rabbit boxes. trail here. <laughs> but I... I want women to be thinkers. I want them to use their brains, you know? And so um, I love introducing women through my show to women who have all different kinds of voices and all different kinds of things to say. Um, Like, this is your show, so I can say this. I was just thumbing through your podcast episodes, and one of them was, is masturbation wrong? And I thought to myself, I am so glad. I don't even know what you said. Like, I haven't listened to that episode yet, so I have no idea what you said. And it doesn't matter what you said, it might differ than me and you, but I was like, I'm so thankful that she's talking about this. And my whole point in saying that is I love introducing my listeners to new people. And so that story that you told me, it just brings me so much joy. And I'm so happy for you. And I'm so happy that you have this voice that you have and this leadership that God's given you. Even if you're like, I don't want to be the token single girl talking about single. You know what I mean? It's like, I actually want to get married. So can we just get past this whole single book thing? But I just want to tell you, I'm proud of you for carrying that well, Uh, what God's given you. Well, thank you. And I just, man, I just feel like 
you just have no i you just have no idea first of all what god is going to do and how he's going to use your story and also just you i mean I, I remember when you had me on your podcast, I was like, why does she want me on her podcast? Like, I am nobody. <laughs> like, she has all these fancy people and here am I. I'm like, I just, you know, Texas girl living in New York, trying to get a date over here. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's important because the reason I had you on and I wanted to, because someone told me about your story and I am someone who thinks I need someone who has a story. They have something to say. And I don't want to contradict because what I really believe is that everyone has something to say and everyone has a story. Like I truly believe that into my bones. And so for Mm -hmm. me, when I want to have people on my show, I want to, I believe everyone has that, but who can do it well, you know? And so, um, you know, a mutual friend of ours was like, she can do it well. And so there you go. And I'm, I'm so glad you came on. I mean, so glad. And here we are all these years later. Here we are a few years later. When does your book and come out? Make sure I get a copy of that book. Oh my gosh. Oh girl, I'm sending you a copy for sure. It April 2021, which okay. feels like forever away. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, I know, I mean, your book, UBU, is just about to come out yeah. and you're way ahead of the journey on me. But like this this process for me really started seven years ago when I was living it and asking hard questions yeah. like, is premarital sex still a thing we're not supposed to do as Christians and what does the Bible really say and what about the purity culture? So Mm -hmm. I had to live that for a really long time. And I think a lot of, I don't know what you think about this, but I think a lot of times we feel like we have a message and I 100% agree with you. Every single person has a story to tell because God is the ultimate storyteller and we're made in the image of God. So if he's a storyteller, then we are. Right. But I know for me, I tried telling my story about six years ago and I got all these closed doors. And so I figured, oh, I must not have a story to tell. Mm. But I think sometimes what that, what really that was for me is I needed to live it more. Mm-hmm. It's like we get dumped and feel like we instantly need to make that into like a sermon for mm-hmm. other people instead yeah. of living our story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I just wanted to hear what you thought about that. Cause I know even your, you, by the time this episode is coming out, you have this huge interview with Emmanuel Acho coming out about raising black children in mm-hmm. America as yeah. white people, mm-hmm. which I, I mean, I have goosebumps just even thinking about that because that's a huge story to tell. A huge story and a huge weight and obligation. And, you know, even to use your example of you just weren't ready to tell your story then, I, you know, because you brought up that interview, I'll say, had Emmanuel asked to interview our family seven years ago, and we've been a family that we are now with children through adoption and um, for the past 10 years. So our last child joined our home in 2010. So we've been a family like this for 10 years. Had he invited us to do this seven years ago and talk about what it's like to be white in America, raising black children, I mean, it would have been a, a completely different interview. It yeah. would have been a horrible interview. <laughs> uh, we have learned and grown so much in the past 10 years, for sure, the past 15 years, but even in the past seven years. And so mm-hmm. I think about that interview and you know, it, his show is called Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man. And mm-hmm. it was uncomfortable. It really it was uncomfortable for my children. I'm so proud of them. Yeah. Um, but it's true. When we think about our stories and the journeys that God has us on wherever we are. It's like those grow and those develop and those change. And, you know, my first book, when I wrote about a lot of my story of just coming to follow Jesus, um, living a life just for myself, a lot of sexual um, sin in my past, and then coming to know Jesus. Well, had I written that story 10 years earlier, 
Mm-hmm. It would have been uh, that stuff was way in my past, but it would have been not as processed with the Lord. I wouldn't have yeah. had as much clarity or understanding about the way that God works. And so it's good for you to remind us of that. And I, I like how you said that is that everyone does have a story and sometimes it just is not the right time to be talked about. And that's right. okay. That's okay. It really is. Right. Like every moment in our lives does not need to be a teaching moment for yeah. someone else. Mm-hmm. Like I've, <laughs> I've been thinking this. about that recently. I'm like, <laughs> what would it be like? And you know, I think about it with Instagram because so I don't know how you're how you do Instagram, but for me, I do I do see Instagram as a different lens than I did whenever I first got on it. Like whenever I first got on it, it was just like, oh, here's cute kids of my pictures of my kids and look at this tomato I grew and you know, look at this book I'm reading. Those are all great things. But I do see it now through a different lens as like, this is a moment for me to be a leader, to influence all the things. But the other day I was like, I wonder what it would be like if I went on a trip and didn't tell anybody on Instagram. <laughs> like oh, it was yeah. like this moment. And I was like, Jamie, get yourself together. Of course you can do that. I mean, it just yes. felt so weird, but it's true. Like we think that we have to take, we do need to take every moment captive. That's not a false thing, but we don't have mm-hmm. to share it with everyone, you know? Right. And even right. for people like you and I, who we do a lot of our life online, I always say to people, listen, you don't see most of my life. You think That's you right. do. You do not see most of my life. Right. You see only the things I let you see. Yep. Um, and for me, they have a purpose for me to let right. you see them, you know? And it's not like I'm being fake. I'm not being a fraud because there's people in my real life that see me all the time. Yeah. Uh, and so it's interesting. It's it's a good conversation. I think it's good for us to just have these conversations like we are now. And even with our girlfriends in real life, not over a podcast of just going yeah. like, I just want to check my heart and check myself. Like, what's my motive here? What's the purpose here? does this build up? Does this tear down? Like all those things. It's just good to go through them in our brains. Absolutely. And also I think for me, so I'm like the biggest fan of taking trips and not letting anyone know. So I'm about to out myself right now, but (laughs) I have a photography client quarterly in LA. So I'm in LA every quarter. No one online ever knows Mm. because they don't need to know. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I actually, I'm pretty private about my private life. Mm -hmm. And I had a mentor tell me years ago when I first started the refined woman, this was eight years ago, I was writing about a breakup and I was like, this is going to be the best blog series, (laughs) which actually ended up being the sexless in the city series, which is now my book. But she was like, write it, but sit on it for eight months. Mm, That's so good. And I was like, no, the world needs to know I'm in love. And she was like, no, like this is for you to go through and mm. you're in it. And she said, teach from a scar, not a scab. So like, good. you are in this. So just let yourself live it. And I mean, I am very, very grateful that I listened to her um, because I think in that I also realized even by taking social media breaks. So I posted twice I've posted, I posted twice in my feed of Instagram since December up until like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Cause I just felt like I'm so sick of it. Yeah. Like I'm sick of feeling like I need to, to say something when I don't really feel like I want to say something. I feel obligated and then that feels fake. Yeah. And also like, I just felt like life goes on without social media. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I need to be doing life in real time with real people as opposed to being glued to my phone all the time. Mm -hmm. And 
I know it's a balance because we run online businesses, but I just felt like so much of my world was being dictated by like, what do I need to post today? As opposed to how can I be present in my life? So true. You know? So true. So true. And you know, when you talk about like teaching from the scars and not from in the middle of it, it makes me think about social media as well. And I've used this example to another friend the other day that, you know, COVID was hard for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, it was really hard in the beginning of quarantine for Aaron and I, just personally with our marriage. We've been married 19 years. And by the grace of God, marriage is, it has not been difficult for us. And I know that's not everyone's story. And there are a lot of other things in our life that have been difficult, but it is what it is. But we had some really hard days, just like marriage wise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always want to remind people when you're following people on Instagram, for the most part, you're not seeing those days. Like no one saw those days, but you know who saw them was like my girlfriend, you know, like that I was talking to, you know, or Aaron and I were walking through it together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is true. There is this kind of, we don't have to let every in, we don't have to let the public into everything that we're doing. And it's just a good reminder, but you know, I think you have to set boundaries on the, like you have to know what is your Instagram? What's the purpose of it? And once Mm -hmm. you know your purpose, then you're like, okay, this doesn't fit the purpose. So it's not going up. Does that mean, you know, and so just trying to figure that out and it's hard. It's a scary world out there. Yeah. So I actually saw a, it was like some sort of meme or Instagram post recently that just made me laugh. And it said something like, all you Instagram couples haven't seen you post any cute (laughs) pics lately in COVID. Everything okay? (laughs) So funny. I saw the same thing. It's like, where's your hashtag bless now? (laughs) You know? Yeah, where's your hashtag bless now? And I'm so curious what what it's been like as a married person, as a single person, I think a lot of girls have reached out to me in this time, myself included. It's like, Oh, like I thought, you know, I was bleeding from my husband this year. Now I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is totally cramping my dating style. How am I ever going to meet someone if I can't leave my house for six months? Um, but I think so many single people that, I've chatted with just feel so lonely, myself included. And it's like, God, like, how is this ever going to happen? But then on the flip side, I've seen with a lot of my friends and relationships and even marriages, it's almost felt like a make it or break it season. Mm. And like, have you, have you experienced that? Have you seen that in your other couple friends? Yeah. I mean, I, I told you this was like early in quarantine, we were feeling this way. And I think it was maybe even a week or two ago so we're recording this in the middle of July that I put up an Instagram post alluding to how marriage has been hard in this season mm-hmm. and the DMS, the comments she told me what I knew to be true is that Aaron and I are not alone in this is mm-hmm. that a lot of people have struggled through this. And, you know, for us, it was, it was, it was circumstantial. I mean, everything changed overnight in a lot of our mm-hmm. lives. I mean, for m- myself personally, my job changed. I normally do interviews for my podcast all in person. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. um, I'm doing them online. I normally travel two to three times a month and all of a sudden I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things looked, you know, normally my kids go to school every day and now they're home all day. And Aaron and I still have jobs that we have to do. And yeah. we have someone living with us who we love and adore, but it was just another person in the midst of quarantine. We were remodeling our bedroom. So we lived in an Airstream for 13 weeks. So everything was, so it was like all of these things and marriage was hard. But I, I was telling this to a friend the other day. I was like, it's been, we had some of the hardest days in quarantine marriage wise. On the flip side of that, we haven't had to spend so much time on us in a really long time. Mm. And what I mean by that is 
it, there was never a, this is, where is this difficulty from? I can't handle this. It was more like, where is this from? What's going on? How do we work through this? And so mm. we haven't had to do that in a really long time. So it was almost like you don't know that, you know, you need new tires until you have a, a flat tire. And then you're like, right, oh, right. I haven't changed a tire in a long time. This is hard work. And so it felt like that a little bit. And so yeah. as hard as it was, I look back and think, man, I'm so proud of us because we were intentional with trying to fight and work through it. We had to listen more. We had to, I had to say, I'm sorry more than I have maybe in the last five years. We had to forgive more. I mean, so it was, it was difficult in some areas. And I look and I think, God, you did a work in us through that as well. And I, I think it's COVID has been hard for everybody. That's like understatement of the year, yeah, you right. know, and, and we, Aaron and I, we talk, we've talked about this before, like as a single person, um, I would imagine this would be a very difficult, very mm. difficult season. I, I interviewed a, a guest on the show. You would actually really love to have your, her on your show. Her name's Lori Ferguson Wilbert. And she released a book this year called, oh, it has the word hands in it. I'm going to mess it up, but you can look it up. It's all about touch and about how the church has kind of lost the element of touch. And for lots of ways, it's been kind of damaged. We've seen that with misuse of touch, sexual abuse, all kinds of things. But we interviewed in the midst of COVID and she talked about how she was so sad for her single friends who could not even get like a hug from a roommate. Yeah. Or they're living alone and, and you don't realize how much just a hug from a friend affects you until you don't oh, have yeah. it. So, you know, I don't know how it's been for you and I don't even know if you live alone or have a roommate, but it's that has been so difficult for people that I've heard that have been single for the rest of this season. If you know anything about me, you know this. I love Beyonce, Jesus talking about dating and relationships, and I'm also obsessed with skincare. I started really taking care of my skin a few years ago, and I mean really taking care of it, from regimens to serums to all the anti-aging stuff. And now, as a 35-year-old, the one thing I wish I would have known in my 20s about skincare is that it's never too early to start. One brand I've really come to appreciate is Beauty Bio. They have an incredible patented at-home micro-needling tool called the Glow Pro. It's a micro-needling regeneration tool. What they're passionate about? In-office results, at home, and with accessible price points. Because as much as I love skincare, there's no way I can afford $400 lotions and elixirs. It's just not going to happen. This micro-needling treatment helps create firm, smoother, younger-looking skin with tighter pores. And who doesn't want tighter pores? Not only is it incredible for anti-aging and financially accessible, it also doesn't add hours onto your skin regimen. I'm all about function and efficiency, y'all. And in just 60 seconds a day with Beauty Bio, you'll see results. So go to beautybio.com and check out their Glow Pro Microneedling Regeneration Tool and use TRC15 for 15% off your first order at checkout. That's beautybio.com and use TRC15 for 15% off your first order. Well, I was at home in at my parents' house for two and a half months. So I was with family, mm -hmm. but I was just for the first time in five months, I got on kind of a weekend away with my crew and everyone's 
been dispersed for five months and we just kept hugging each Mm -hmm. other. And it's, you know, it's like all these single people and we're all together and we were joking because I was like, I've just missed getting a massage because I feel like part of the reason as a single person I get a massage is I can go through my, I can go for days and not have another human being touch me. Yeah. And there's just like, like, physical touches healing. The number one way Jesus healed people in his ministry was by laying of hands. And so, I mean, when we were together, we were all just, I feel like we were so starved for that physical touch. And I think there's this weird thing. I don't know if, I think it's like Christian culture, but I also think it's culture at large where I can't speak for the male experience, but as a woman, it's like, sometimes I feel like I don't have the permission to say, I really want to be in a relationship Mm. because I'm supposed to be this independent woman and I'm supposed to be content with where God has me and I'm supposed to be pursuing my calling. So I should be fine without it. And I was talking to one of my guy friends on this trip and, you know, he said, sometimes as men, we feel like y'all are so independent now, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. We just don't feel like you need us. Mm. And I'm like, I feel like I'm not allowed to need you, Mm. but I really want to need you. And so I am so, I'm just so intrigued by that dynamic of even just you talking about working through your marriage in this time. Like what was coming up for me is this idea of you guys leaned in to hard conversations because you're committed. And then I see single people not able to even commit to like one date. And I'm just like, what's the gap between being in a marriage and saying, I know how to go through hard things, but it seems like as single people, we're not even allowed or we're not even giving ourselves permission to admit, Hey, I want to be in a relationship. And then we're also, we don't have these tools to lean into hard things. Cause we're like, well, if it's hard, it must not be my person. It's so difficult. It's so difficult. And you know, like I haven't been single cat in 20 year, 21 years. Wow. You know? And so like so much has even changed. And I think, if I were dating again today with the woman I am now, which I just pray to God that never has to happen, you mm-hmm. know, again, because that would mean I lost my spouse. Um, like I would even struggle through dating now as what you're just saying as where is that line of needing you, but not needing you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, I don't know how, you're handling that, you know, and, and because of how difficult it is. And I don't know how I would handle that today either. I think it's a really, really hard conversation, but I'm I'm grateful for people like you that are having it and helping so many people wrestle with those conversations because I'm not having to have that conversation. You know, it's not, that conversation is not something I'm having. Now I have a 15, a 16 year old, you know, and so it's going to come full circle in a couple of years when we're having conversations with, with him about dating. But it's a hard line to to balance, and I commend you for having these conversations about it. What I'm so curious about your story, especially with your new book, UBU, you're talking so much about pursuing our giftings and pursuing our callings. And I feel like so many times as women, we get stuck or I've gotten stuck in the past because I'm like, well, I feel called to marriage. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know what else to do right now. I'm not necessarily in that place right now. I feel like I'm supposed to be speaking to women like that's the calling on my life. But I think as women, we can get like really stuck and feel like, oh, well, I can't do anything because my life hasn't started because I feel called to marriage. Mm. And 
I'm just so curious what you think about like as women, how do we discover our calling and what do we do when we think the calling is marriage? Oh, this is so good because I hear the same sentiment from people and it, it keeps going though. You, you follow that line all the way and then someone will think like, okay, so I'm married and now my next calling is motherhood. Like this mm. is, this is, and then, and so what happens when infertility hits or when you're, you're not in a place to have kids financially or what I fill in the blank. And so this is a faulty place. It's, it's a, it's a, a sinking sand to stand on mm. is that this would be your, your calling. I truly believe that as followers of Jesus, that we have this ultimate calling that we're to make him known and bring him glory. Mm. And so then I think all these other things are going to fall into that. I mean, isn't it, what, what does Rebecca Lyons say? Like it's where your calling and your passion meet or mm. I, I quoted her in the book. That's so bad that I could not remember what she says, but her point is, is that you have this calling and it's where these things are going to come together that God has put in line for you to have. Um, and so I, this is a soapbox for me. I cannot handle when people say that their greatest calling in life would be to be a wife or a mother, because here's the deal. Not everyone's going to have those things. Mm. And so if your ultimate calling, like the thing that you are yearning for the most would be marriage. Well, a couple of things. Number one, that marriage is not going to solve any internal problems that you have inside. Mm. Number two, that marriage is not going to make you a better disciple of Christ by any means. And number three, that marriage is not going to all of a sudden start your life. Like you only get one life and it started when you were born. <laughs> so you're <laughs> in it. Like your life has started. You were in your life. And I, I think about what I encourage people to do is, so I'll use you for an example, just because we're yeah. talking to you. So you are like, you're saying, I'm, I want to get married one day. I believe this is what God has for me. That's awesome. Okay. So cool. So say you get married at 35. Okay. If you were to look at 35 to 25 and, and you're married now, you're married, you got a ring on your finger, you are happy, all the things. It would be a great disservice for you to wake up the next day of your wedding, the, you know, the morning after and look back on the past 10 years and say, I wasted them. Because mm. all I wanted to do was get to this day. And now this yeah. day's here. And I'm the same person I was two days ago. Yeah. You know, except I'm married and I'm having sex and the things that come with marriage. But you don't want to look back on those past 10 years and say, mm. I wasted them. Yeah. And I that's that's the fear that I have for so many women who are yearning for marriage. And again, marriage is beautiful. I'm I'm so happy that God gift, gifted me that. Um, I love being married, but I did not become a better disciple of Christ. I didn't then start my my grand mission in life when I said I do to Aaron or when I had any of my children or brought any of them home. So it's this lie that we that we stand on. And the problem that happens is that you build your whole life on the fact that once I get married, I'll feel this. Well, the problem is you get married and you don't feel any different. Yeah. Again, <laughs> marriage is awesome. And there's some yeah. great things that come with it. You have a partner, all the things. But it doesn't change how you can minister. Well, I, you know what? I should take that back yeah. because it does change some things. And in fact, it changes things a lot in the fact of we have single friends that can do way more than Aaron and I ever could. Mm -hmm. And so it does change things. That I cannot say that. But what I am saying is it can't change your heart. Like it's not going to all of a sudden you feel like, oh, I'm complete now. Right. Nope. Those same issues of insecurity, envy, jealousy, pride. Guess what? 
They're there the mo- next morning. Mm-hmm. They are there when you wake up after you get married. And so there's not this ultimate calling because if, if we're going to say as a people who follow Jesus that the ultimate calling on a woman's life is marriage, well, then we leave out a lot of women who are doing a heck of a lot of good work for the kingdom and they're unmarried. And for some of them, they'll never get married. And that's okay. I've been processing this just so much lately as I've, you know, I was writing my book and thinking so much about relationships. And I was like, why do I feel like I want this thing so bad? Is it because that's just the desire of my heart? Is it because as women historically in our culture, that's been the thing to aspire to? And then I thought about something, and I don't know what you think about this, but when I think of like Western evangelical church, it's like Jesus. And then so much of the church revolves around the nuclear family. Mm. So I have felt as a single woman, there have been times in the church where I have been given less opportunity because I'm a single woman, or it's almost like sometimes a woman who is married feels safer to be mm-hmm. yeah. up front or on stage mm-hmm. or from the pulpit. Um, And there's almost been something where I felt like, man, in the church, I kind of feel like JV to the varsity as a single person. And that feels really sucky. And also, I understand that people want to go through life with people in their same season. But there's also this like, I had a girlfriend of mine who worked at a church who got married a few years ago. Once she got engaged, she basically said to me that our friendship is over because now she needs to have married friends. Oh, wow. And I just felt like, man, are we just worshiping marriage mm-hmm. in the church? Yes. Like, the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not okay. <laughs> yeah. And what about Jesus? Like mm-hmm. Jesus was totally single and yeah. had an incredible ministry. And I don't want to dismiss the desire because in myself that if I don't ever get married, I will, I'll be really sad. I'll be like, really God? <laughs> But at the same time, like, I feel like it's like we make church and the gospel about like Jesus plus, like Jesus plus marriage. And then kind of like a lot of like the church culture revolves around the, like the nuclear family. What do you think of that? I think that you're not wrong in feeling that because I think that that is very true in a lot of our churches. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, one thing that's good is that we're having this conversation because I've had this conversation more and more over the past handful of years because I have more friends in my life that are single and in their 30s. And in the church for so many years, that has been like, what's wrong with you? Like, that does, this doesn't make sense. Why are you not married and having children? Because we do kind of elevate this nuclear family, this idea of marriage. And what we do when we do that is everything you just described is what happens. People feel isolated. They feel less than. Um, They don't have any power to do anything. They feel as though their gifts don't matter. They feel JV, exactly what you just said. And so I think that some of the changes that could be made would be when we see people on church church staff that look like the people that we're ministering to, Mm -hmm. you know, which means like, is everybody here married with three kids and two dogs? Mm -hmm. And, or are there any single people here? that can yeah. represent a whole population that we're reaching um, because this is the life that they are either living now or they've chosen to live. Yeah, And so I think that what you're feeling is not anything you've made up. I think it's something that the church has struggled with and, you know, not to get too like deep into like 
church history and stuff. But if we look back, going back into like the 80s and the 70s, we see we saw this whole movement of protecting the family. You know, it's mm-hmm. I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine that around this time is when maybe like focus on the family was formed and, you know, some other organizations. And so there was this whole movement to kind of protect the family and be for the family and build up the family. And while all of those things are great, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. It kind of made it where there was no room for anything else but the family, which did exactly what you're feeling was made people feel left out and less than. And so I think if people are in churches and they're listening and they're in church leadership or even have a a voice to the leadership in their churches, which I hope that you do, is to be able to just like bring this to attention, you know, and to be able to talk about like, hey, what are we doing to make sure that it's not like, okay, here is this class that's just for married people, which I understand there's a need sometimes, just like there's need sometimes for just single people to be taught. But how are we also creating spaces for everybody to be together to be taught? And, you know, that could be like even age gap. And, you yeah. know, or stuff like that. Like some of the greatest people that we love having our home right now are in their 20s. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this is so great. I love it so much because we're learning from them. They're learning for us. It's like not just us with our 40-year-old married friends, you know, which are great as well because we need each other too. But I think that the church can do a better job of maybe putting people together that wouldn't quote unquote, normally typically look like they go together in a church space. Yeah. And and I wonder if it's, <clears throat> excuse me, a part of that is also reimagining what is community. 100%. Yeah. Like this radical, instead of having this like kind of monolithic experience or, you know, all the, all the kids need to hang out, then all the middle schoolers need to hang out. And then, right. and I think there's a time and place for that for sure. 100%, yeah. But I even, even just being a single person, I just turned 35. I think for a long time, I was like, guys and girls just can't be platonic friends. And mm. I don't know what you think about that, but it's that I, whole Harry Matt Sally thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I would mm-hmm. say I would definitely lean towards that, like mm-hmm. kind of like Ross and Rachel on friends. It's never off the yeah. table. Uh-huh. However, some of the, I feel like if I only have female women speaking into my life or walking in my life with me, I'm cutting off half of the world's population. Yeah. And I mean, I just walked through some really hard personal stuff and some of the sweetest moments I had were my completely platonic, like brother friendships who were, Mm -hmm. these guys were able to pray for me and speak truth over me. And so I wonder if part of that too is, you know, how do we address this in the churches? What if we start having more radical community, like getting people together? Does it matter what you look like, what you wear, your relationship status, how much money you make or your ethnicity, but let's all get together because if we're just around same, same, like we're in an echo chamber, right? All right, raise your hand if you've ever watched those commercials with women letting down their soft, silky, and perfect hair, but you don't get the same results from your shampoo. You need a better solution, and you need the right product for you without any gimmicks, because who's tired of gimmicks? I know I am. All right, Function of Beauty is hair care that is formulated specifically for you. No matter your hair type, they create shampoo conditioner and treatments to fit your unique needs. How unique you ask? Function of Beauty has over 54 trillion possible ingredient combinations to make sure your formula is just as unique as you. Here's how it works. First, you take a quick but thorough quiz and tell them a little bit about your hair. 
Next, Function of Beauty's team determine the right blend of ingredients, then bottle your custom formula to order. Then they deliver your personalized formula right to your door in a cute customized bottle with your favorite color and fragrance. They even print your name on it, y'all. I freaking love it. Plus their formulas are vegan and cruelty-free. They never use sulfates, parabens, or any other harmful ingredients. For a person who really cares about clean and safe and toxic-free products like myself, I really appreciate the intentionality that Function of Beauty has with their products. Function of Beauty is not just the first ever custom hair brand, it is the internet's top-rated customized hair care brand with over 40,000 real five-star reviews and counting. So what are you waiting for? Go to functionofbeauty.com slash refined to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash refined for 20% off and to let them know how you heard about it from our show. Remember, that's functionofbeauty.com slash refined. Y'all, it's time to get some silky hair. What do you say? Jen Wilkins speaks about this a lot with just how do we have our churches look like actually the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. which if we talk about the body of Christ, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, When we get to heaven, Aaron and I aren't like shacking up and hanging out and being married people. We're like brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. in Christ. And so if we were to view our communities, our churches, our families, our relationships, is that like, this is going to go on past this earth. Like we're going to be brothers and sisters in the Lord. So how do we treat each other like family? Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is, I don't, I don't know why I've been thinking about this a lot. I just recently read a book as well. And she was talking about how culture is so over-sexualized, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, everything is sexualized. And so if someone's having like a, a an emotional heartfelt conversation with someone, we would automatically feel like, oh, they're into me, yeah. you know, because they, they must want to sleep with me because look how they're reacting. Mm. Because everything goes back to sex in our culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her point was, what if we just had that intimate conversation with someone, but it was just because, like you just said, they're like this brother of mine. And so I think that's one of the things that is difficult. And, you know, this has been a learning thing for me as well, because I would have 20 years ago, whenever Harry Met Sally came out, probably more than 20 years ago, honestly, (laughs) I would have said the same thing. Like it is impossible for men and women to mm-hmm. just be friends because someone's always going to fall for the other. As I've grown in maturity in my faith and just in maturity in my marriage and maturity as a woman, I don't think I would take that hard a stance on it. I still have a hard stance of guarding your marriage right. and guarding your emotions because I've seen too many people fall for like that best friend. Um, so there are so many safeguards that I think that you should have in a marriage. But I also growing in maturity, growing in my faith, see the value, like you mentioned, of having more voices in my world, in my community, in my space than just girls. Now, I still like, I'm not going to dinner with another dude. Like, that's just a boundary for me. I know that's not going to be a good thing for me or anyone else. And so that's like a line I have in the sand. And people would make fun of me for that. And that's okay. Because you know what? I don't want to leave my husband for another man. And so, and I'm not saying that always happens because some people would say, well, you could never do that because it will always be sexual. And I don't think that's actually true, but I'm just saying that's a guardrail I've put up and we put up in our marriage and that's what we want to do. And so make fun of it all you want. I don't really care. I don't think I that's really anything to make fun. I don't think taking your marriage no, seriously I mean, but is some anything people, to make fun of. 
But some people would. They'd be like, oh, you just think because you go have dinner with someone, he wants to get in your pants. I'm like, no, I just think that if Aaron and I are in a hard season, I'm having dinner with someone, I'm going to be emotionally a wreck and there's going to be that person. And so it's a guardrail for us. But all that's a long-winded thing to say. I think we need people in our lives mm. of both sexes. And when we view each other through kingdom eyes yeah. as like, you are my brother and the Lord. And so whether that turns into something that is, you know, physical and emotional and you become attracted to them, that's a whole different ball game. And I think also the older I've gotten, I'm like, let's just be mature and throw everything out on the table. You know what I mean? Like if you're 35 or 30 and you're have a really good friend and you start to have feelings for him, you need to say that out loud so yes. that so that it's on the table yes. and then he can either go, thank you, but I don't. And then you go, okay, cool. I'll deal with this. And maybe we can still be friends. I hope so. Or he'll go, I kind of do too. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. you can throw it on the table and then see what happens and then not have to be weird about it. Yes. That also comes with maturity as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. Quote of the day. Like, just don't be weird about it. <laughs> don't be weird about it. <laughs> so I literally on my Instagram stories today have a poll going on because I just had a conversation with one of my guy friends and we were talking about dating within our Christian community and how awkward that can be. And I dated one of our friends in this friend group and he pursued me, asked me out, asked for my number. We go on what I believe to be a very great date. And then uh -huh. I never hear from him again, but yet we're in the same community. And oh. so him and I have like reconciled. We're good now. This was years ago now, but my friend and I were talking about this today. And I was like, you know what I wish would have happened all those years ago is that after our date, he just would have, it could have even just been a text and he could have just said, Hey, I had a great time. I'm not interested in moving forward romantically, but like I'll see you around at church. And I like that would have stung, but yeah. I would have what hurts way worse for me is the silence. And my guy mm. friend goes, but like, isn't the universal rule not to say anything if it's under the third date? And I was like, wait, who thinks that? And he goes, literally all of my guy friends. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> and these are like good guys, like good guys, love God, seeking God. Uh -huh. And so I have this poll going on on my Instagram right now. Would you rather? Oh, I'm going to check it out. Please do. But I think though, here's the deal. And again, being 42, I think I have a couple of years under my belt. But here's what I'm thinking as well, is like if we view, sort of like we'll take that ex that example you just said, and I'm glad you guys have reconciled all the things, but that was a jerk move. Like I can just say that. <laughs> if we take that experience and let's say he loves God and he loves you as a sister in the Lord, I don't think that you would treat your sister that yeah. way. You know what I mean? And so it's a matter of just like, okay, this is like uncomfortable to say, I don't see you this way. Because y'all that's hard to say it really is you know but what's even harder is to know like i'm gonna just like treat someone who is a sister if we're gonna keep up with the analogy i would not treat her that way actually and so it takes like it takes guts on everyone's part it would take it would have taken guts on his part to say that and then you would have had to dealt with it and that would have been on you yeah. to deal with mm -hmm. it and again we're grown-ups here so we're gonna deal right. with things um but yeah. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. But yes, that is not yeah. okay. Whatever your poll is, it's not okay. I cannot <laughs> wait to hear what people say. Well, I think ultimately too, as we're talking about how to be mature and even I have one, I have another question um, about calling and we'll wrap that up. But just the idea that 
just because I go on a date with someone does not mean they owe me marriage. It doesn't mean they owe me anything. I don't owe them anything. And I wonder if the whole relationship thing, or even I think all of it is a symptom that we worship marriage and kind of going back to the whole, like, how do I discover my calling? When we think marriage is ultimate, then everything, the stakes for everything are really high. So like the first date, is like, if this doesn't work out or if he doesn't know where he wants to quote unquote lead us, then we're stepping off a cliff as opposed to mm-hmm. well, when I just worship Jesus. And like when my calling, like you said, is the ultimate thing is to know him and make him known. Then yeah. I just get to be with my brother and we get to know each other in a beautiful, natural way. And if it doesn't work out, bless him. Like maybe I can set him up with one That's of my so friends. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How did you get there though, Kat? Because that's, I mean, even to say all those things, and, and I don't know, maybe you can say age of maturity as well. I don't know if you would have said these same things as a 20 year old is my, is my yeah. point is I see a lot of um, women in their twenties really worshiping marriage, yeah. like you said. And so I'm flipping the script here and asking you a question, <laughs> but I think that when we, when we can get in and listen, this is on us as the church to quit proclaiming marriage as God's greatest gift to us. Um, because it is by far, it is a good gift and it is a gift that I enjoy, but it is, I am not any more special than you because I am married and I am not any more higher in the kingdom than you because I'm married, you know? And so it is our job as the church and as leaders in the church is to stop proclaiming that whether we do it subtly or just with those words. And so for you, you know, 15 years removed from being a 20 year old, has what you just said, like, I want to worship Jesus and follow him and whatever happens, happens. Is that for maturity? I think it's, I, I would say yes. And mm-hmm. I think for me, you know, I ask really hard questions. I'm asking questions like, is masturbation a sin? Does the Bible really say yeah. abstain from premarital mm-hmm. sex? Like I, from day one, Jamie, I came out of the womb asking hard questions. And mm-hmm. anytime there's an elephant in the room, I'm like, there's an elephant, there's an elephant, let's talk about it. And so I think for me, I was always, I didn't grow up in Christian culture. So I was always very confused at these like Christian things that I would hear, like God gives you the desires of your heart. Or if I share, I want marriage, then having mentors and pastors say over me, well, if that's what you want and that's a good desire, God's going to give you that. And I just felt what was so confusing to me about that, Jamie, was that that was a very different message than what I read in scripture. Mm. Because Mm -hmm. what scripture says is like, well, God gives me the desires of my heart in the Psalms, but like, what is the ultimate desire of our heart? Even in marriage, what we're looking for is God. Mm -hmm. And so I think it, it has definitely taken me a really long time there to get to where I'm at. And, you know, you caught me on a strong day. Like I literally just (laughs) cried to my friend less than 24 hours ago about being single. Um, so I think it's about being honest. And then for me, just going back to like, what's the ultimate goal here? Yeah. And like the ultimate goal is really Jesus. It is. Um, so it is. And I mean, and that, I mean, listen, we're gonna have to ask ourselves that question. What's the ultimate goal here? And it's Jesus for the rest of our lives in every area of our lives. I mean, people that are married are asking them the same thing when their marriage gets hard 20 years in and they're going, I want out. This is not fun. This is not what I thought. And then you have to go back and say, What's the ultimate goal here in our marriage? Yeah. And it's to glorify Jesus. And so that means, man, we're going to have to put in the work and we're going to fight and we're going to have to do some hard things and go to a lot of counseling and forgive and let go. And so 
we're having to ask those questions for the rest of our life. And so what you're doing right now is you're setting a precedence in your life and in teaching people through your, your podcast, you're setting that precedence of this is actually how I'm going to view a season in my life that might be uncomfortable or that I might not enjoy is reminding myself that there's more at stake here than just me. You know, like it's not just about me anymore. It's about Jesus and making him known. And so what, how does it, how do I do that as a 35 year old single woman living in New York city? And that's your question. Someone else is going to have to ask, how do I do that as a 27 year old single mom living in Vermont? I mean, you know, like all of us have to do that all the time. And this is your particular way and season of doing it. So would you say that like an anchor in no matter the season, would you feel like knowing our calling and our giftings can kind of be an anchor throughout or what, how, where does calling and gifting fit into that conversation? You know, I said that I think that as a Christ follower, we have this ultimate calling. Let's make him known and bring him glory. But then, I mean, I have another friend who I think he has it tattooed on his arm, which is really cool, right? That it says, um, oh my gosh, it says the need is the call. Mm. And he got that tattoo. He, he heard someone say at one time and the point of their message was, look around, what's the need that you're calling? And so as we're walking through life and we're waiting for this big like sky to open up and tell you, here's my big plans for you. You know, here's who you're going to marry. Here's where I want you to go. You're thinking about that new job. Here's the answer. And just that's never happened to me. I don't know that's ever happened to anyone. So there's this idea of living kind of open-handedly. I know my ultimate calling to make him known and bring him glory. So everything goes through that lens. And then everything else is kind of like, Look around, where's the need? And maybe that's where I'm supposed to step in and do life and and do a calling there, whether that's in your church, in an organization, uh, in your family, even like with your children or what that looks like. And so there's this idea of taking around your surroundings and believing that God's equipped you to do what he wants you to do where you are. Like, I think that's the first step is actually believing that God's equipped you to do something great. And I think that he has. And so believing that and then going, okay, Here's where I am. And it's not to say like, oh, I'm never going to have a job change or move locations because those things happen all the time. But how about looking right now at my circumstances, at my life, at my relationships, at who I'm doing life with and saying, what is God calling me to do right now? Sometimes it just means look around. What's the need? Where is there an opening? Where are you gifted? And then they need that at the same time. And that might be your calling in that season. And it feels a little like, Okay, so just look around and see the need. That seems really easy and and weird, but it actually kind of really is. I mean, when I look at my, I'll use myself for an example. I look at my podcast that I started six and a half years ago. It's not like I looked around. I was like, you know what the world needs right now is the happy hour podcast. (laughs) But I did look around and go, okay, here's what I think I'm kind of good at. Here's what other people are doing. Here's an opportunity. I think I'm going to try it out. And the next thing you know, here's my job for the past six and a half years. And so there was no like me searching and asking a bunch of gurus if I thought podcasting was the best idea for me. It was just me looking around going, I think I could do this. I have this equipment. Let me try it out. And here we are. Wow. And I think when you say that, Jamie, it it like kind of demystifies the experience, right? Like wow. we're like, what's my calling? And we get so paralyzed from making the wrong choice. So we don't make any choice. And I love that. Like the need is the calling and just being, I know Tim Keller says it's about affinity 
what people needs do I resonate with? Ability, what are my abilities? And three, opportunity, where does yeah. the community tell me I am needed? So like- This is the exact same thing I just said and Tim Keller says yeah. it so much better. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, Keller. <laughs> Dang it, Keller. <laughs> Dang it, He's Keller. So smart. Oh, but no, I think that's so good and so true. And I think what you're saying is so powerful because it's it's kind of simple and we like to complicate things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, well, how do I know I'm called to marriage? How do I know if I'm called yeah. to singleness? How do I know if I'm supposed to start a podcast or right. everyone wants to be their own personal brand? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, maybe today you're called to like be a good roommate and clean yeah. the house and do 100%. Right. And let's start there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Uh, Jamie. I adore you. And Thank you, friend. I'm just grateful that you let us go where we went in this conversation. And I just, I'm just so grateful for your words and what you're up to. And just again, just feel like I'm talking to like the Oprah. Oh, you're <laughs> kind. So kind. Thank Oprah you. Right now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And how can we listen to your podcast. How can we buy your book? Yeah. And I even know you're, you're doing like a text thingy, which yeah. I don't understand the technology behind that. Well, but. this is fun. You guys already listen to podcasts because you listen to this one. So I'd love to have you come listen to mine. It's called The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. You could go back and find Kat's episode, which would be a lot of fun. Um, you can get the book, UBU, anywhere books are sold. And I would love to stay connected with you through texting. And so it's super cool. You text the word friend to 33777. So 33777, text the word friend, and I'm going to send you a free downloadable print and talk to you about the book. And it's just a fun new way that we're trying to keep in touch with people. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. And is there a website for your book as well? Or you can go to jamieivy.com slash UBU. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I actually have a copy of your book and started reading it. And I read your first book, if if you only knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I gave it to my little sister because I felt like she really, really love it. it. Thank and you. I just also you look amazing. You're on the front cover of your book. So <laughs> Which oh my is gosh. so weird and so crazy. And everyone needs to know there was an entire team that made that happen. Like I don't look like this every day. So that's fun. Wait, so did you do that? Did you was that shoot in Austin or like how did that work? It was in Nashville. Oh my gosh, it's so fancy. Oh, you would think it was cool as a photographer. Like they like this. Alf Air, I'll send you. I'll find his Instagram and send it to him because he actually has done a lot of work in New York. You might actually know him. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And so it was so fun. It was a, like an oh. all out shoot, which was oh fun. His name's Dylan Reyes. Oh, fun. I, yeah. I don't know who he is, but okay. I'm definitely going to look him up. Yeah. And, I mean, I just feel like the whole like glam squad thing, whenever I get my hair done and makeup done, which is usually only for like a wedding or something, mm-hmm. I'm like, I really want to be a famous person just oh my so gosh. that I can have. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like not to just keep talking about Oprah, but um, <laughs> I like every day she like on her compound, like her hair and makeup people like live there. And every day at like 10 AM, she gets her hair and makeup done. And I'm like, that is the coolest, most fancy thing ever. The coolest, most fancy. 100%. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, I guess we know we'll made it. We'll have made it when we have. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, well, Jamie, um, I know you have other interviews to do today, but I adore you and so excited for your book and we'll chat soon. You're so kind. Thank you for having me, Kat. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to. 
follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.